0: Would it be important to have some maybe lines of credit or some cash on the sidelines in case you have a hiccup or something goes wrong? Sure, but it's not required because it's your business.
1: Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills? Or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby.
2: Hey, it's Sarah Larby and welcome back to this week's episode of Where Should I Invest? I am at the cottage just doing these, so this is probably like the third week in a row that you're hearing that. I haven't been at the cottage for three weeks, I wish. (laughs) I'm actually renting it for most of August, so we're here just for a week but it is pretty cool like I think we're making about 10 grand in August and we are hogging the long weekend of course and the week prior but you know like it's actually pretty good money. I don't think we've spent anything on the cottage yet except for Really actually except for really nothing (laughs) food (laughs) food and booze. I think that's what we spent money on. But other than that, I mean, it's being covered by the renters and the majority of the the money is going to be made in the summer, but the property carries itself. So we are having good times up here and uh, I'm excited Jen and Mike Richter are going to be coming up as well as some other friends of ours. And we always have a good time up here. So really excited to be here and to be off work i still work full time so taking a week off trying to get some of my real estate stuff done all of the right club stuff all of the podcasting we're also launching something really awesome with the right club it's going to be a whole online community so if you guys are not in southern ontario look out for it it's coming in september it's going to launch and it's going to be an online community and where real estate investors can talk to one another. There's going to be some forums. There's going to be some blog posts. There's going to be tons of knowledge and information. A lot of it is going to be free as well. And and we are going to have a section where people can post deals or find joint venture partners. So some really exciting things. Check out therightclub.com and uh, there is going to be some announcements on that as well once it's up and ready. So today's guest is Chris Prefontaine. He is an American and he's also a best selling author of a great book. It's called Real Estate on Your Terms, and then a new one called The New Rules of Real Estate Investing, which thank you, Chris, I got a copy for, and I started reading it halfway done. It's a great read. And so Chris is a a real estate investor with over 27 years of experience. He's the founder of Smart Real Estate Coach and the host of another podcast. It's called Smart Real Estate Coach Podcast, and he lives in Rhode Island with his wife and his family. And I'm really, really excited to have him on. He's been a a big advocate of constant education and he's a mentor, a coach, does some consulting as well. And he really talks a lot about some really, really great things that I don't want to give too much away, but they're acquiring five to 10 properties every single month and they control that. And that's between 20 and $30 million worth of real estate. And it's all done without them using their own cash or credit or signing for loans so really cool like you know it's nice to talk to people that are just doing different things and different things that work and this is a great opportunity to to get to learn from somebody that is acquiring five to ten properties each and every single month and so i'm i'm really excited to have him on the show and guys if you are interested in reading his new book you are welcome to check out his websites which is smartrealestatecoach.com and the information should all be on there. So I will have Chris join us, but if you could just take a moment, if you could to rate and review the show, it just helps bring it up so that it is more visible for people that are looking to learn themselves and find a Canadian podcast and somewhere to increase their knowledge and education on real estate. So if you guys could leave a review and a rating, that would be greatly appreciated. And again, if you wanted to reach out to me, you can go to my website, which is saralarby.com or email me at sarah at All right, guys, uh, let's meet Chris. Welcome, Chris, to the show. How are you?
0: I'm terrific. Thanks for having me.
2: Excellent. I'm really excited. So now where are you currently residing?
0: I am in Newport, Rhode Island in the States.
2: Okay, excellent, excellent. And why don't you let our audience know a little bit about what you do, how you got started into real estate investing?
0: Sure. So I've been at it 27 years, so I'm going to date myself a a touch there. But after the crash here in the States, so 08, 2008-ish, That brought us into doing everything a little bit differently, not taking out bank loans, not signing personally on bank loans, all the things that sort of got us in trouble and caused too many stress and headaches. And now we only buy on lease purchase or owner financing, and we do that all around our area in the States, but also we coach students throughout U.S. and Canada to do the exact same thing. As I was saying to you earlier, I think there's just an enormous gap of people like doing a course or or going to a seminar and they're not doing deals. So we, we hold their hand and do deals with
2: them. Okay, excellent. Now, for people that are wondering what does that mean exactly, can you clarify a little bit of what does that process look like and not using a bank and for anyone out there that's wondering?
0: Yeah, sure. So le- I'll go both of them. So lease purchase is nothing more than typically taking over a property that has some underlying debt and we're gonna pay the mortgage company directly for that underlying debt after we install what we call a tenant buyer, so it's a rent-to-own program. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, after they're qualified, we know it's going to work and they can eventually cash mm-hmm. out. So we make that payment. We charge a little bit more, obviously, than we're paying out to the tenant buyer monthly. And then we create three paydays in doing this. So it's probably important to say, Sarah, so we create a payday when we install the tenant buyer. That averages around $28,000 U.S. Then we create a monthly payday of three hundred to to 1000 spread. And then at the very end with the cash out, we create another payday. So all total, they usually come in average around 75 grand. While that lease purchase is taking place, the seller is just waiting on the sidelines, keeping their mortgage paid. We're making sure the home maintains and they're getting the mortgage paid off on or before the end of the term, along with any equity that they might've had when they started. Some of these deals, they have some equity sitting there waiting for them at the end and some have none and and they just want relief. So that's kind of the lease purchase deal there.
2: Okay. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of these have you done?
0: We've done several hundred, probably four, four or five hundred since 2013
2: okay. ourselves.
0: Right. And then we do five or ten of these a month ourselves and students around the, around the uh, different, different areas.
2: Now, I know before the show, we started talking a little bit about how the audience is Canadian. And a lot of them are investing in, in Canada. But you know, recently, I've actually had some requests and some emails about, hey, can we have some guests? That talk about investing in the U.S. for Canadians, and you mentioned that you are working with some Canadians. What does that process look like?
0: Okay, so there's a couple of different options. So if someone says, "Look, I want to actually know how to do what you do," you know, I read your book or I heard you on Sarah's show, or whatever, then I can we can coach them to do that. in in, uh, in Canada, all our agreements are, are Canadian friendly. Um, just shipped a bunch of them off actually to students. Or they might say, "You know what? I saw all that. I don't want to deal with that. Like that's a lot of work. I don't want to do that." can I do it passively in which case they could invest passively with us in particular deals that we do here in the States. But frankly, most of them Sarah are saying, I want to know how to do it because it's not, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy, but it's not a daunting task once you learn how to do it to maybe do passively a deal or two a year. Look, if it's 75 grand a deal, why not do a few of them? You know, and I'll just go out and do two of those a month. But if you just want to kind of tinker with it, it's a good thing to do.
2: So what do some of the financials look like? I mean, how, you know, what's the down payment exactly? What type of properties are you looking for? What's the cost?
0: Sure. So a couple of things. So on all our deals, the lease purchase, it's written in the agreement that it's a ten dollar deposit. We literally don't put money down. On an owner financing deal it might be a little different because we're typically saying to a seller, look, we're not gonna we'll pay you a good price, but we're not gonna put anything down. So if the seller has any cost in transferring that property to us that a seller would normally bear, we may pick those up on occasion. So maybe a little down in that case. But um, price ranges, it it depends on the market. Uh, We've gone as low as a couple hundred thousand all the way up to one of my students is in a high-end market. They go up to like 1.8 million. And we find these by for sale by owner, expired listings that didn't sell in the open market, and for rent by owner. Those are three kind of main lead sources where we find these. And we don't cold call them. We have virtual assistants that do that. And some students prefer to do it on their own, but that's how we find them.
2: Hmm. Okay.
0: There's no no loans, you know, so there's no like going to the bank or assuming a loan or signing personally and everything. You're just structuring a deal.
2: That's interesting. So what kind of agreements are these joint venture agreements? Are these agreements like a rent-to-own type of agreement where they, in three years, tenant buyer purchases it out? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, so on the purchase, so let's stay with lease purchase since we're on that. On a lease purchase, we do have standard forms in U.S. and Canada that cover how the investor, us, or the student, is going to tie up that home with the seller. And then that gives them the right to turn around and market it legally without being a realtor. Then on the, on the buyer end, I, ca- I keep calling them our tenant buyers. They have a, a lease purchase as well. It's a rent-to-own agreement. I use lease purchase and rent-to-own interchangeably. I use lease purchase when I'm talking to the seller. Rent to own, I'm talking to the buyer. And yes, they have to cash that out on it before the end of the term, or they would lose any deposit money or any maintenance they put into the home. However, we're not going to put them in that, Sarah, unless they're pre qualified. This is a big thing now in Canada and US that where people publicly on YouTube and otherwise would say, Well, I'll just put my tenant buyer in, and if they default, I'll just do it again and collect another deposit. They may be right legally, but morally and ethically, I just don't, it doesn't sit well with us. So we put them through a process that. Tells us and them that they will be mortgage ready at the end of two or three or four years, whatever the term is. And only then do we say, okay, you're accepted. Now we set them up for success. There's a big difference there than just throwing them in the house.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's important. It's important for your brand and your reputation as well. I mean, if you have to unfortunately for go on the tenant buyer actually closing over time, that actually builds a bad reputation for you. Like right. we've got, we've got people that have great rent to own programs here. Actually one of my colleagues that um, has the, is one of the founders for the red club Alfonso and he's got like 110 and his closing rate is extremely high, which is great. And then you'll look at another company and maybe it's not as high and then you start wondering why. And, and so it's quite interesting. And I think here, the success is tenant first and the tenant first, and then they find the house, but it could be different. And there are some companies out there that do the house first and then they try to find the tenant, but. And
0: you sometime, can do both to your point. Yeah. That's a good thing to bring up because uh, we do have now that we have, oh gosh, 300, 3000 rather buyers on our list. There, there's plenty of room for, Hey, I've got some time on my hands. Why don't I niche down my list and my calls to where these five buyers want? Absolutely. It just becomes a time issue. You know, can do you have the time to do that? But there's plenty of business to do that.
2: So you guys do property first mostly though?
0: We do mostly. Yeah, but say, say one sells to a buyer and it was very popular. Now we got oh, a waiting list or applications or what we call next step forms sitting there. So if we have the time, we'll just attack that area in, in, or community and find some more. Why not? It's a different call when you call and say, I want to buy your home. I've got a buyer in my back pocket. Let's do the deal.
1: Where should I invest? With your host, Sarah Larvey. We'll be right back.
2: guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment, and then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that, and B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time, and Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors, and she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders, and Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A-lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis. It was a game changer for me and it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was gonna get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email which is info at streetwisemortgages.com or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com and then just go to the contact section and you can also call her at 1-800-208 Six two five five. Thanks for listening, and back to the show.
1: Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host Sarah Larvey.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So let's just say, for example, I'm interested in in doing a deal. What does that look like? What's the process? Like, are you taking anybody who wants to do this or is there some type of specific investor? Because essentially it's your business. You want to get the right partners, the right JVs. How do you go about screening for that piece?
0: Okay. So you're talking about the piece uh, like students that we do deals with? Yeah. Okay. So the students, it's all by application. So anybody can buy our course and read my book, right? I can't restrict that. But if they want to do deals, they do apply. And so it's a bit of an application process and a questionnaire. And then they get a call from each one of us, myself, my son-in-law, Zach, my son, Nick, and then my daughter, Kayla, so that we all say, I think Sarah's a great fit. And yes, let's do some deals in in her or his marketplace. So yeah, it is a bit of a process because it's very important. A, when we put someone in an area, we don't overlap with a whole bunch of people. We want to do deals with that person. So we treat them protected in a way. And B, I want to make sure that it fits within our values. There are, We have company values and it's got to fit within that. And then we know it's a great marriage and we go forward. I think that's what you meant, right?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And so like what other criteria is like, do I need to bring a certain amount of money, a certain amount of skill, a certain number of you know, financing ability. I I don't know what, what does that look like? No,
0: not really. Because if you're coachable and your expectations are such that you're not looking for like, I gotta, I need this get rich quick thing tomorrow. That's not what we have. So as long as all that's in line and that's what the application process and the interview does, Would it be important to have some maybe lines of credit or some cash in the sidelines in case you have a hiccup or something goes wrong? Sure. But it's not required because it's your business. So when we do deals with you, it's in your area and your company. Uh, We just act as a consultant in that deal, albeit an active one, but we're not owning it. It's all you.
2: Okay. So it's a consulting fee essentially.
0: Yeah, it is. Because when let's just take, uh, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Take a Toronto. Someone wants to do a deal in Toronto that's going to go into their entity, and there's a trust factor here we we have an arrangement where for the first ten deals we're going to get x percent with you, and so each deal goes on and we take our split and we take it as a consulting fee yeah
2: Got it, okay, all right, so it's just a, like a one time upfront thing yep
0: as we as the deal goes because we have three paydays per deal, right so okay. these deals get they pay you constantly until they're over.
2: okay, yeah. so what happens in I'm assuming your your average rent to owns might be what three years or five years.
0: Very common is that 24 to 36 month mark yeah.
2: Okay. What happens if somebody tenant buyer whoever can't close or what's the process at that point in time?
0: Couple things because it happens, right? It's called mm-hmm. life. <laughs> it's yeah. a, about uh, anywhere between 3 and 7% each year will have a hiccup. Now, we can usually help them or if it's just a lost cause and they leave, here's what our choices are. We could in no particular order, we could A put it back on the market obviously on our own or with a realtor and just sell it and get rid of it. So the seller gets cashed out on time. We've done that. We could be, call the seller up and say, look, I don't know where you are timing wise, especially if they're not getting an equity out of it and ask for an extension. We've done that successfully. We could do both ask the reseller for an extension and give the buyer more time. If the buyer's like just delayed, and not having a major life event like a death or a divorce because that's happened. All these things have happened to us, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really just a communication with the seller. Absolute worst case, you didn't monitor the buyer process because we can monitor their process on a portal. So if, if you're a buyer, we know if you get off credit repair or you get off track somehow, and we very proactively say, look, you either want this or not. You're off track. Are you going to reset or are we going to let us sell this thing? That's happened. Or let's say we forgot, we totally forgot, we didn't do our job, we, we we didn't monitor you, and at the very end you said, I can't do this, I, I messed up my credit again, or I ran my credit cards up. So we would have to blow that house out very quickly, or worst case, raise private money, which I've only done one in several hundred deals, and get rid of that. Because we got to morally and ethically hold up to the seller, if they say, I can't give you an extension, I'm done. And that's happened just once.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, had
0: to, we had to take them out, yeah.
2: All right, well, that I mean, your odds are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: no, you're right. It very... It doesn't happen a lot, and if you communicate, you, I'm usually pleasantly surprised with the sellers going, well, yeah, I thought you might call, and yeah, you can have an extension. Our agreements, that this is one you don't want to have to do, but all our agreements, all of them, allow us on a lease purchase to literally assign the home back to the seller and just leave. But that doesn't, like you said earlier, leave any good taste in anyone's mouth, but we have the option to do that.
2: Okay. All right, good. So, what's next for you? Like, what are you? Is your goal to keep doing this and exponentially grow? Are you doing a different type of strategy at some point? Are you going to stick to this?
0: Yeah, great question. Cause a lot of people kind of parlay their money to something else. Um, we, because the, the my kids are 29 and 30, you know, so they're just cranking things up. We maintain around 50 or so properties at any one time in our portfolio. So, you know, if two come, two go, you keep that about that amount. So our goal is to keep that going. And then our goal by 2022 is to have about 125 of these associates around US and Canada actively doing deals. So 125 active associates, which would be super busy. And that'll produce around 1500 transactions, which is our goal.
2: Okay, that's great. Yeah. So if, why would somebody want to do something like this versus the burr model or multifamily or, I mean, do you believe in, in mixing up different strategies or do you believe in sticking to one and becoming that an expert?
0: Okay. Two different answers. I do believe in spending time on one niche. No, I'm not so naive to think ours, right? Whatever niche you want. And then when you're in that niche, are you going to run into other deals? Yes. On our lead flow, do we run into a rehab? Do we run into a wholesale? Do we run into multis? All the above.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: just that our focus, our 95% of our deals will be the single family lease purchase owner financing. So yes, it's cool to know that after a certain point, but look, you know this, every one of these niches in real estate, our businesses in and of themselves, and they take time. So my, my opinion on these, and I, we have our own podcast, as you know, and I have rehabbers and wholesalers that are great friends, so it's nothing against them, but let me give you my comment on that. It, in my opinion, if they're doing a, a rehab or a wholesale deal for using those two, then I'll address apartments. It's more of a job. And then once you do a deal, you got to go do it again. It's not like it's paying you for three or four or five or seven years. Like our deals do. And some people like that. It's just not what we want to do. I want to create a system where if I do 12 deals this year, now I have 12 deals that are paying me around 75 grand each over time. I can get off the treadmill if I want it for four months, two months, a month, go on vacation, mm-hmm. with my family, come back, do some more deals. Uh, whereas the other one you can't until you scale it. And on the apartment front, I love that space. I just am not comfortable personally with going raising pr- a bunch of private money. Not after the crash. I just I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not. You know, some people have the the personality to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable going and raising money and doing that. And it's a great thing if you like doing that. It really is a cool model.
2: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, there's a little bit of something for everybody, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, just out of curiosity, have you considered looking into Canada, or are you most comfortable into the U.S
0: yeah no, I'm super comfortable with Canada because I coincidentally had coached, oh gosh 48 or more. Most of them are Realtors back then before the Investor days but I coached them all in Ontario. I had a few in Alberta. so I'm super comfortable they've been there many times and we did redo all our agreements uh, Canada specific. so those have been shipped out to a bunch of people that did a show with Dave Dubo and had a bunch of activities. So we're doing deals there. I've got a five deal package right now we're looking at there with some with some people. now the cool news for Canadians is, I don't have an office there, so I am definitely being very picky and selective, and trying to find some strong partners, associates in that area to go ahead and spearhead that, not just do a few deals like we're doing now.
2: Right. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And you know, one of the sometimes one of the biggest pet peeves I have is I listen to a lot of American content for the motivation, and it's great, but. It doesn't always translate into Canadian, you know, when it comes to the tax system, when it comes to the financing piece, when it comes to a lot of the legal piece, it's just completely different. And then I think that's one of the reasons I actually wanted to do a Canadian podcast so that I could interview people, whether it's Canadians or Americans, but somewhat translate some of the stuff into language that that makes sense for us. And so as you're working with Canadians, I'm sure there are some differences that you're going to need to let them know about, whether it's financing, whether it's the legal structure, like all of that stuff makes a big difference. Um, Yeah. And and
0: that's why it's a great opportunity. I mean, just, I picture if I was doing it reverse, it's a great opportunity for if someone hears the message or hears us on a show there, we've been doing a bunch and says, look, I feel like I'm the one, I'm strong enough in this market and and I'm going to do that in every market there. It's a cool opportunity for someone because obviously I'm going to lean on that person and throw a lot of deals that way.
2: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, how do you find your deals in Canada?
0: Same way. Just there's some nuances with expires because you can't call those, but it's the same type of thing because they can still buy lists. They can still call for sale owners. You know, so most of those things are the basics. It's like in the states. There's some states that I can't do certain things in with the, with the lease purchase. I have to pivot a little differently. It's no different. So we just yeah, that's why we did the agreements first. And now we're set up to go ahead and do them
2: okay so i mean here's a question because there are you know obviously the privacy laws and that kind of stuff but there are like you said ways that you can still get information right but it's a little bit trickier you know are you able to just cover that a little bit just how to get those lists and how to get access to the information
0: well i would start anyone and everyone there on for sale by owners because they're advertising so they want the phone to ring it's a little different right they're not on a do not call they're not on any of that stuff because they're advertising that's for most people listening that's going to give them enough business to keep them more than busy and at even i'll go lower at the low end of our range 45 grand a house high end 110 so let's say at 45 or 50 grand a house i think most people be quite happy with one of those a month and you don't need many leads to do that then we can hone into let's spend a teeny bit of money on purchasing a right list that you can purchase that you can you, as you know now, you can buy a list of anything nowadays.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just, you can't figure out who's like behind in their taxes in the same way, but there are, there are ways that you can do it. I mean, there's a, a really cool report. It's called the Purview Report, and you can actually, you'd have to just know what dress you're looking for, but you could go buy some properties or an area. You got to work with a good mortgage broker that has this information, but they can pull it and it gives you when the house was last purchased, the names of the owners. It gives you a lot of information. It just takes a little bit more legwork. And uh, and there are some the right good, list. yeah yeah and there are some good wholesalers as well that probably are spending hundreds of dollars if not thousands advertising and you know partner up with them as well and be on their buyers list and you can still get some some good opportunities. That you know way. that's
0: a great so us uh, now you say that rehabbers you know people that fix and flip and and wholesalers because they that doesn't fit in their box. I have mm-hmm. some wholesalers and and, and uh, rehabbers that'll call us and say. This person owes about what it's worth. I can't do anything with it and they'll, they'll have us do it. So yes, those relationships are super important anywhere.
2: Absolutely. All right. Anything else I should be asking you about in terms of your business and Canada and the U.S. and any differences?
0: The only thing I'd mention is just to, and it'll be a whole different show maybe someday, but uh, the owner financing model is being done there, being done quite aggressively and has for decades. And that is when I say owner financing for us, it means the house is free and clear. There is no mortgage. And that person by nature of not having debt on their house can usually wait for their money and we do principal only payments. So think of that for a minute because it's great principal reduction and protection against any economy. So they agree on a price. They agree on taking it over time. They agree on applying all of that to principal. It's pretty cool. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And so in Canada, it's called vendor take back. That's a common term. No, people-
0: yeah, Dave, I got to get my Dave told me, I said, Chris, vendor take back. Okay.
2: Um, no, that's, that's okay. I'm just thinking because yeah. you know, sometimes the terms are different, but yeah. essentially it means the exact same thing, but it yeah. is a, a good opportunity. I uh, know lots of investors that are doing it, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's easier obviously if it's owned free and clear and you can definitely negotiate the right terms and maybe the price is a little bit higher or what the seller wants, but the terms are what you want and, and all works really well at the end.
0: You said it. I don't mind paying as long as I get the term.
2: Exactly. Awesome. So Chris, the next part of this podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions and you are going to give me the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready?
0: I As ready as I can be.
2: All right. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever?
0: Uh, I can't say mine. So I'm going to say the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. I have to give it credit because it's out everywhere and it's basic.
2: Absolutely. And just for those wondering, what is your book?
0: Uh, my book is Real Estate on Your Terms. It's an Amazon bestseller. So it's basically what you and I have been talking about. And then we have a new release coming out in a day uh, that's called The New Rules of Real Estate.
2: Okay. All right. Great. And so both of them are on Amazon? Uh,
0: the Amazon on the new rules will be released tomorrow, actually. And if this, this show is later, then it'll be, you can just go look on Amazon. Yeah. And then the, the uh, Real Estate on Your Terms as well. Yeah.
2: Okay. Perfect. Question number two, what is your favorite podcast?
0: Oh, gosh, there's a whole bunch of great ones, and I haven't gone through all your shows, so I'm sorry I can't say yours today. And let's see. I like On Shoulders of Titans. I have different ones for different reasons, but I like uh, On Shoulders of Titans. He's actually Canadian now that I said that. Oh,
2: okay, great. And you have a podcast too, I think. Yep,
0: yep, smart real estate coach podcast.com. And it's not um, just my niche purpose, it's all different types of niches, and I think you'd enjoy it.
2: Okay, great. Question number three. What is your favorite pastime? So what do you do for fun when you are not doing anything real estate related?
0: Travel, creating experiences with the family and golfing.
2: Okay. All right. Last cool travel place? Grand Cayman. Nice. All right. Question number four. If you lost all your money, Chris, and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again?
0: Ah, that's a good one. I would do what I'm doing now because it doesn't take any money. And the reason I got into it was I got crushed in the downturn and didn't have any money or credits. I've got to say we do the same thing.
2: Okay. All right, good. And if somebody has $50,000 right now listening and they want to get started, how would you recommend that they spend it?
0: Okay. Regardless of the niche, this is an easy one. I don't care what you like to do. I don't even care if it's not real estate. If you've got 50 grand, you find out who's doing what you want to do in your niche, whatever the niche is, inside or outside of real estate, you link on to them. You don't get caught up by the shiny object syndrome and you put the blinders on for three years. Three years, and you'll have a phenomenal experience. No question, no matter what you do, if you give it the three years.
2: Okay, great. That's, that was our lightning round. So, Chris, where can listeners find you if they wanted to reach out and know more about you?
0: They can go to um, smartrealestatecoach.com as a contact and a support button there. The team will definitely uh, get you in touch with me if you want. And I told Sarah before the show that I am happy to give a free strategy call. It's usually a $750 thing we do. I'll give it to you for free. Just say you're on the show and you're in Canada and you got to pick my brain a little bit. It'd be myself or my son-in-law, but it will be well worth your time because we'll give you something to take away from it. And then there's a free webinar because again, I'm big on, let's look at free before you decide if you want to do something. And that's on the same website. And you can, if you don't mind listening to me for an hour, you can get that for free.
2: Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for that. Any final words of advice or anything else for our listeners before we wrap up?
0: Besides that mentor comment I made, because it's worth whatever it costs to do that, my only other comment would be set your expectations properly, which I mentioned to you earlier in the show. I, again, no matter what it is you're doing, that's the biggest challenge I see people doing is setting this false expectation. That something has to happen tomorrow. If you set that properly, you'll have a great experience.
2: Amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for being on the show. It was great having you and thank you so much for the insights.
0: Yeah, thanks a bunch. It was great to chat.
2: Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that.